Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers and sisters, and welcome to another edition of the Convo podcast with yours truly, Hamza Qureshi, and my dear brother and co host, Sufyan Badr. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. All right, so today we are talking about, or more reflecting upon, uh, an event last week, significant, of course, Eid, um, but it was different. but sort of similarly different, if we can even say that, um, because we've had an aid in lockdown before. Um, that was last year, and now, unfortunately, we've had to experience the same once again. And so we thought it would be an opportune time to just reflect upon how it was this time around um, and how we felt about it, some reflections on it. So we've aptly titled it Reflections on an Aid in Lockdown, and we will get into the juicy details uh, after the intro video, inshallah. So now let's have a chat about aid in lockdown. So first of all, Sufyan, let me ask you, how did you feel about this previous aid? I know that we had a bit of a chat personally about it and there was a few things that you said um, that interested me, but um, I'll ask you the open-ended question first. How was it? Can I tell you, like, an unfiltered sort of answer to that is that it didn't feel too different to normal aids for me. It didn't, it didn't feel too different. Um, and the reason is that, look, in some senses it was markedly different. Like, for example, you know that absolute beautiful um, winter morning feeling that you get when you have to, and when you go to pray Friday, not Friday, sorry, the Eid pray in the morning, um, and you're standing shoulder, by, shoulder to shoulder amidst like thousands of other brothers, yeah, yeah. right, and you're praying. Um, that memorable experience was obviously a miss this time around and yeah. so so yes okay that that that's missing right um and i suppose you know obviously having your your brothers and sisters your your cousins and whatever is over that element was missing as well but the what i'm trying to get at is that i feel like aid in the west or I know for a fact that back home in Pakistan, it's very, very different. And I've mm. not necessarily experienced it firsthand, but heard a lot from my wife and from my family, my wife's family and from my own extended family as well about how it is. But I suppose because there's this thing that's been brewing in my head just saying that Eid has just become a bit of a monotonous event, like generally speaking as well. So, So for me, it wasn't like so different that it was like so deeply felt. So I was like, oh, my God, we've now got Eden locked down and it was the most miserable thing ever. But how is it not like significantly different? Like isn't the, okay, I'm assuming that 
you on a as most people do you go around friends family visit brothers sisters whoever and cousins all that or they'll come and see you and like that's a key part of the experience like to take that out surely it's very different like how is it not like it is so when i say when i say what it's not that it's not different so i pointed out two big differences the friday the morning prayer and the visiting family the differences but i'm just saying that affect the vibe of it the feel of it like yes and no yes and no like this is me personally like honestly for me there is not a great vibe for Eid generally for two reasons. One, because I compare it to how it was growing up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was it was the most amazing thing growing up, getting the money from parents, right, getting little yeah. um, gifts and presents and all that sort of stuff. Um, and just the general, the vibrancy, the color as a young person looking out to the world. And we still have that. Like We still put up stuff, but... Do you see how Aid is like yeah, yeah, catered to the kids? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's coming from that angle, number one. And then, number two, I think I've got a lot of exposure to how Aid is celebrated in parts of the Muslim world, especially in Pakistan. Yeah. And I've always got that thing in my head saying that we're so, it's so different, you know? Like, I feel like, I feel like there's so much more excitement around, like, for example, I, you know, this is an inherent part of living in the West. Like, yeah. you know, we don't really have, apart from that one poster that goes up on Woolies where they have this random, <laughs> um, you know, desolate yeah, yeah. Calls Woolies or whatever. It was yeah. like, oh, Eid. And I was like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm in the Muslim world for like. We're so recognized. So recognized. You know, but like, obviously, in the Muslim world, and in Pakistan, this is certainly the case, um, it's like the whole country, man. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. The that's whole true. country gets decorated in posters and you can feel it and it's absolutely amazing. But um, we've so- never had that. Like, if you've never really had that here, which we haven't, right? Yeah. Then, like, we're not going to expect that to occur. So our expectations for Eid have to be according to yeah, how yeah. we've always experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. But so for me, it's like what I've experienced as a kid and then also growing up and, like, getting a lot more exposure to what, what's um, there out there in, in the rest of the world, how they celebrate it. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's a bigger affair. It's a more exciting affair. Um, and so when I sort of use that to compare to how it is, I feel like it's a really, um, I don't know. I, for me, Eid typically isn't a really, really exciting event in the West. It just hasn't always, it hasn't like, it's exciting. You, Look forward to it. Don't don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't look forward to it. Yeah. It's not that you know. You're sounding uh, really fatalistic, man. Not, no, but you know, I, I want to give you my unfiltered thoughts. Like I don't want to oh, come. Wow, in and this say, is this is a bit concerning. It is so amazing every year, and this year I was so depressed because I didn't get to visit my cousins and sit with them and share some gifts with them. You know, like. And I what about like, all the people who genuinely feel like that? Why are you making such a mockery out of that? I'm not making a mockery. <laughs> I'm telling you how I feel. You know. So, um, look, I think for me personally, you get to a certain age, and this is the case, like I don't even think it's me personally, I just think this is the case, that you, when you get to a certain age, you start to gear aid towards the kids. Because yeah, yeah, they're your kids. Absolutely, you yeah, should prioritise that, right? I have something against them. I, I, have, I have something like, not against kids, but <laughs> I have something against fundamentally. Aid should not be fun for the kids. Fundamentally, thumbs <laughs> Hamza's like, tell us about your aid. I have something against kids. And, and aid. I don't feel it and I hate kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this, I, 
really I have dramatic. something against, um, you know, I think this is culture that's just developed where Eid is made to be specifically exciting, like, and catered towards the kids. I feel like it should be a whole family affair where it's equally, it should be equally exciting for everyone. Yeah, so you should do, I, I for agree, example... But before you progress through the remainder of this uh, uh, complaint, we'll call it euphemistically, um, I wanted to just go back to my opinion or not. Do you want my opinion or not? Okay, relax, man. Relax. What is it? Daylight interview? Calm down. We're having a conversation. Um, All right. So uh, what was it that you said? Yeah, look, I I agree with you. I agree that it does end up being geared towards the children, but I I feel like that's generationally necessary as well. Mm -hmm. Like you need to, like for us, right? And and as you mentioned before, it was exciting for you as a child, right? And that's because your parents made it so, right? Your household, your parents, they made it so. So they took that and they directed it to you as a child so that you'd have that excitement. Yep, yep. And you had that for a long period. And then when you transitioned into being the parent now, you do the same natural reorienting of aid to make it for your children. Yeah. And I guess that's part of the procedure in making sure that you maintain the vibe of aid. Like if, let's say, you get like super crazy fatalistic and you know this attitude on steroids in the next few years right and you're like you oh, know i'm not feeling it at all now it's, it's finished whatever obviously it won't happen right but for people who might feel that way like it just the vibe dies down and they don't reorient to the kids because it's not feeling that special to them it's going to kill it for their kids as well and then for their children's children eventually it's going to go completely I don't I know. I don't think it's, I it's think an important I'm... part. I feel like it's an important part of Aid mm. to recognize that it will eventually reorient itself to children. Now, I'm not saying exclusively. I'm not saying that it should only be about the kids and parents should be sitting around on their phones. But visits, that's how it is. Come on, it. let's be honest. Like, that's for how some, it is. For some, yeah. For the majority, man. Like, it's not. And I'm not saying our aid is not spent like that as well. Like we don't go and just sit on our phones the whole time. You know, there's cakes and there's some gift exchanges and this and that. But I don't know. I just feel like it's actually. I feel the opposite to what I think you've you. I think you've misunderstood. Like I'm trying to say we should make it an even bigger affair for adults as well. Like we should go out and do recreational. Obviously, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like really make aid like what I'll I'll give you. To make what um what happened with me it was really um a few aids ago prior to lockdown issues my father decided to do something which i thought was fantastic yeah. like it was awesome i absolutely loved it and the whole family loved it so everyone's gotten together you know all your siblings and whatever else um and my dad decided to do a lucky dip for the adults only for the adults yeah so you do all the exchange for the kids and this and that and then my dad, he had this massive box and he covered it and he put all these little random gifts in it and he just goes, all right, now everyone put your hand in and see what you get. Yeah. And then that was really fun because it was just like random household items. They weren't, you know, nothing flashy. Yeah. It was just fun that it was something for the adults. Exactly, right? You know, it was and, so much fun. We loved honestly, it. bro, like one of the most memorable aids for me personally was one in which we had some adult games that we were playing. Like my sister had come up with these um, uh, nice trivia games like for adults. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Like, honestly, it makes me laugh because like, it's just, it's like this distant memory in the past. Yeah, like, yeah. I absolutely loved it. Like adults got... 
<laughs> we all got together, played these amazing games, right? And no, it I was agree. like, and you know, it was <laughs> it was catered to the kids as well. But don't get me wrong, like it's not like we take kids out of the equation. But I'm just saying that look, when you have these aid experiences, um, I feel like. I'm calling for an investment of greater effort, even for the adults. Mm. Like, try and think of something that gets the adults involved as well. And I guess even the outcome of that, like the yeah. residual outcome, will be that it's better for the kids as well. Yeah. Like, if parents are having a greater time, kids will naturally have a better time. And the vibe of it, as we've re- referenced a couple of times now, yep. will be all the better. Yeah. I agree. I agree with Someone, you. One of the comments uh, is asking if we're wearing our Eid clothes. I know Hamza is certainly wearing Yes, I am. I went like all out traditional. Yeah, and I am obviously, I missed the memo. So I'm not wearing my Eid clothes. I don't want to show you, you know, let's leave it there. Uh, okay, on that point, this is actually an interesting one. Uh, the night before, before Eid, um, yep. I was thinking, okay, what am I wearing? Right, As you do prior to Eid, and I thought, Okay, I've got something that's new I haven't worn before and I've got other clothes that I, you know, wear for formal occasions or whatever, cultural clothing, this and that. And I was thinking, should I or should I not wear the new clothes? And I was teetering on the edge because I was like, one, it is aid. So with respect to the occasion, you should, right? But then on the other hand, I was like, but who am I sharing that with? Like, yeah. I could save that new outfit for a time when, you know, it's a social event or whatever and, you know, wear it then. Yeah. And so I was like, what should I or shouldn't I do? And I ended up wearing the new one because I thought, look, it's you got to respect the day, right? Even if you're not sharing it, you got to respect the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had the same conversation in our house as well. Like someone, one of the members of my household came out and they're like, we're not going anywhere today. No one's coming over. And we were like, but you don't get dressed for them. You get dressed mm. because it's eight, you know? Yeah. And so we made a point of making sure everyone, kids, ourselves, parents, everyone gets dressed, you know, yeah. with the fanciest clothes as we do on every Eid. Um, and then obviously the same sort of tradition in terms of making some sweets in the morning, yeah. making some sweets for the rest of the day. And, you know, in whatever, um, in whatever form the COVID restrictions allow, passing some of those sweets on to, you know, our immediate neighbours or whatever else it was. Yeah. You know, so so look here, yeah, man. We've got to make the we've got to make the most of a uh, not so ideal situation. I'm with you 100. Um, percent But you know, this just moving on to some other some other issues we could possibly discuss under the umbrella of this topic of aid in lockdown. Um, even if it's a even if it's an aid that is not exactly ideal and there's a lot that's missing. Um, we have so much to be grateful for compared to how a lot of people around the world are spending their Eid. You know, we say Eid in lockdown. They literally have like their whole lives, every minute of every day of every month is in lockdown, you know. Um, so even the phrase like Eid in lockdown is a kind of bit of a first yeah, one. Yeah, it, it's almost like we're almost feeling excessively sorry for ourselves. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a, what you say is so true because everyone's looking at when will this lockdown end? Like everyone's looking for the end of it because everyone soon expects the end of it, because they know that reasonably assuming it will end in some period yeah, of time. Because it's an exceptional circumstance. Yeah, exactly. But it's so not the case for so many. Yeah. So there's so much to be grateful for. But, you know, at the same time, you say, uh, if you look at Hajj, for example, you know, last year when Hajj got not cancelled, cancelled, but it got like seriously yeah. majorly scaled back, 
Um, we thought that was like a once in a blue moon type of thing. You know, 2020, we witnessed Hajj not taking yeah, place. Yeah. Or we, you know, didn't witness Hajj <laughs> taking place, whatever you prefer. But, um, uh, you know, even on this occasion now, um, it's the second year and they it's gone yeah. from 2.5 million to like, I think it's like 60,000 or something people, just, just Saudi Arabians, Hujjaj who were vaccinated, uh, yeah, yeah. got an opportunity to do Tawaf on the Kaaba and, you know, millions of people around the globe did for a second year in a row after, for, for some people having saved up for their entire yeah, yeah. lifetime, like, like, honestly, people in Pakistan, I know that save up for like 10, 15, 20 years to be able to go to Hajj. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't had for a second year the opportunity to fulfill that obligation. So that's a big one as well. That's a really but, big you know, like in those kinds of circumstances, we can, we can sort of expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously will shower them with their, his mercy and everything else beyond their capacity and, you know, may he reward them for their efforts and their savings and everything and perhaps grant them the opportunity the following year or the one after or whenever Absolutely. it is that yeah, yeah, he yeah. subhanahu wa ta'ala deems fit i know that um with uh my family we had some uh aid zoom calls which seems to be like an increasing trend yeah, nowadays it's, it's because really becoming a part of our yeah well, what do you life. reckon about that how do you feel about these aid zoom call things Look, it's, it's did you end up did you do anything like that yeah we did we did like i literally saw probably every member of my family oh well, that's good but you how do you feel it? about it like you know it's the best like i said it's making the best of a bad situation yeah. like i would rather see them in their eid clothes you know my sisters my brother my nieces and nephews yeah i'd rather see them in their eid clothes than not see them at all you know yeah. it's a far cry from actual company you know uh but you got we had gotta... um we had like this uh online games night kind of thing. Yep. So it was like everyone was there on Zoom and then there were some games like there's this one drawing game, that online scribble, uh, I can't remember what it's called. So playing that, we just, we just found these few online games and just started playing them with the family. And it was it was like you're saying, it was making the best of a bad situation. Everyone was talking, chatting, having a laugh. So Alhamdulillah we were able to do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these whole Zoom gatherings, they feel so strange though. Like they feel so strange to me. How like, do you mean? How do you mean? Okay, because for me, Zoom is a platform for things like work, schooling, uh, more sort of not your personal life kind of things, right? Like that's what Zoom has been for me and that's going back to the last lockdown. It's always yeah. been that. Right, if I've got a particular meeting or a particular professional commitment or whatever, you use Zoom for that. And yeah. I don't know, I just I kind of feel like maybe it's like being invasive, like Zoom is now entering our personal lives. It's like, you know, it's it's this tool. It's it, like, it, it was kind of like always there, like Skype, for example. Yeah, I know, but you didn't need it that much. Like you'd Skype your cousins and families overseas because you can't physically see them. What's that video calls? That happens all the time. Yeah, but not not very often because you're seeing your family often anyway. Okay, so how often good. do you do video calls with them? Not yeah. often. Like you do it with those people maybe interstate yeah, or yeah, in country, whatever. I mean, but I don't know. I just I kind of felt like the the pandemic and its uh, its tools like Zoom were yeah. sort of impeding upon that sacred personal sphere. Like how dare you? Yeah. Like you don't belong here. Go away. Yeah. But. <laughs> 
what can you do? Like, I, I, it felt really weird to me. It honestly felt very, very strange that something that I use, because it's, for me, it's always been like this temporary thing, like just use Zoom because we can't meet in person. Yeah. For, and I'm talking professionally, right? In workplace and whatever and, else. And then Zoom just like very. It slightly just walked just into says, our personal life. You know, I'm here to stay, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm in your personal life and I'm in your family WhatsApp chains and sending the link and yeah, all that. Fair enough. I got you. Yeah. And I don't know. It kind of like, yeah, you get used to it. Well, sort of in that hour or so that you have the call, but it just felt really strange. It just felt like it was an invasive influence that was just coming in where it's not welcomed. Yeah, fair enough. But in saying that, what can you do? What, like, honestly, what can you do? You Either that or nothing. So you make do. Look, um, moving on to some other issues, I think some, something that's been in the news a lot is obviously the recent um, Delta variant of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of conversations around vaccinations, anti-vaxxers, people protesting against lockdown. Yeah, yeah. That that is, you know, just moving slightly away from strictly Eden lockdown, but that's become a recent um issue that we've sort of had to face and had to have a conversation around of late. Um how's um how's that been received on your end? Like how have you have you reacted to all of that? To be honest, it's a really, really, really big topic. So I haven't sort of got my head around it entirely. Um, And look, with regards to the protests, initially I was just thinking, okay, what's the actual sort of core concern um, that's being pushed here, like freedom and everything else? And even freedom itself, the word, its connotations, its liberal sort of tinges and everything, that sort of didn't really sit well with me. I'm not saying that I was like fully, fully ardently against um, but just the, the whole approach of it didn't really sit well with me. And also that a lot of the people behind it and attending it were sort of your conservative right-wing types who are mostly generally, and I know I'm generalizing stereotyping here, but fairly anti-Islam, anti-Muslim, anti-migrant, anti-other, so to speak, as well. Yeah. Um, so just it kind of felt weird a, to me that it was side by side. Like, um Lakemba. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw those as well. But one, one of the other things that was interesting, and I can see more about the validity of this, was um, the the issue with the economic side of things, like people who are out of work and don't have an income and still having to pay for things and sort of government, yeah, some measures here and there, but that being a really, really difficult reality. Like I can... I can see why people would be protesting against that Um, because then it's like you've got this potential threat of COVID, right? And that's how it's, that's how it is for them, right? It's a potential threat. It's not like I walk out of my house and I'm 100% getting COVID. In fact, if you look at the numbers from about a hundred thousand tests, roughly 100 people um, test positive. So it's like a one in 1000 chance, so to speak. Financial loss, which is a definite immediate and one hundred percent. Like you don't go and work, you will not have the money to pay your rent, to buy your groceries, to do whatever. And people may well have dipped into their savings last year when this similar occurrence happened ha- occurred, and now they've got to do so again, or they may have exhausted it. And so, for them, yeah. what do you do? Like I, can I don't know. Let me, let me a lot more me, with that. Let me um just chime in with a suggestion. I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclining towards more of a critical view of some of the protests, a little bit critical. I, 
you know, I can understand where you're coming from, but I don't see how in that instance, especially especially because, you know, it's a really strong government measure that you know they're not going to change because of your protest. Like, because the science of it, which is the basis on which they're, actually suggests that the protest itself is going to make, right? And I do I do find there to be an element of strong irony to the fact that uh, protesters are coming to protest against the lockdown of a virus against which they've protected themselves using masks. Like, they recognise that there's a real threat here. Like, like, for example, what I'm trying to say is, like, perhaps... The, the protest could have been conducted different, like very, very differently. On Zoom. For example, if you had a really well-organized, socially distant type of protest, you know, I don't know, one of those silent protests, hold huge banners, because the whole idea of protesting is to pass that political message. And you could have done that in a lot of ways, like strong video messages, viral messages, combined with massive banners and silent protests. Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot more, whatever uh, else. a lot more to this, which is that, I don't think that those attending the protests, and again, generalizing here, I don't think they buy the narrative that it's as existential a threat as government is making it out to be. And so when they themselves are not in agreement with COVID being a crisis as it's being made out to be, yeah. then why would they have a concern with social distancing? Why would they have a concern with... But that's what I'm saying. Of... Okay, look, if there's a complete... The vast majority, like... it seems, it seems, we're not wearing masks and... Oh, I don't know. I'm looking at very that. different footage. I'm looking at the ones that are all wearing masks and they're crowded in together. Uh, look, I'm looking at... I don't know. We'd have to gauge it on the ground a little more, yeah, but yeah, yeah. from what I saw of it, um, a lot of the attendees do not give the COVID issue, the same degree of crisis level concern as government does. And naturally, that's why they gathered together to do this. Yeah. Look, my my basic thoughts on that, because, you know, I suppose you should really research the issue very, very well before you pass some kind of, but I'm not, I'm not commenting in my capacity as, you know, some immunologist or as some, you know, social researcher on something. It's just a conversation around some key issues and how it's affecting us. But I think that, you know, um, so just give me one second. Yeah, so so I think that um, if you're talking about those people that just don't have um, any real concern around the, the virus um, and are certainly not treating it as like an emergency situation, um, I, I find myself like disagreeing with that, um, especially with all the research coming out of the, all the other countries talking about that Delta variant and how it's had a very different effect to the the kind of impact that we saw of the virus first time around. Um, I also think, however, that there is a voice in the other camp that is just, it just doesn't understand how to communicate. Like, I feel like a lot of people who are pro-vaccination, that are pro-lockdown, are missing the mark when it comes to communicating their message. Like, for example... Um, they don't recognise that um, Pfizer, for example, as the pharmaceutical company that is at the heart of this, um, one of the companies that's at the heart of this, they had a um, vice president of their, like, immunology section of Pfizer. Yeah, yeah. I know you're talking who, about, yeah. Yeah, who came out and he said that, look, and there's a reasoned voice. It wasn't like, oh, 
vaccines are wrong full stop. It was like a reasoned voice when he said, look, when it comes to old people, I'm with you, but I personally, I'm not going to recommend this for young people, for example, right? And, and also, and he had some concerns around the impact of that. There was also the chief health officer of Victoria, which I think someone who's maintained that position for 15 years, a local voice, a chief health medical officer who's coming out and saying that I personally wouldn't recommend it for young people. That now becomes, you can, like I, I, I'm against people who come out and say, oh, conspiracy theories, you know, like these people are just conspiratorial. They're against vaccines. They're against lockdown. Yeah. I feel like the conversation's a miss. Like we're not Definitely. listening to each other. We're not I also listening. think that at times, at times, that's like a deliberate mischaracterization as well, just yeah. to silence it, just to not give it any airtime. Yeah. Um, and so anyone who says, oh, look, I kind of question it. It's like, oh, my God, you're anti-vax. You're this, you're that. You're a lunatic, yeah. right? You're misinformed. You don't know. You're, And that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Um, and I think part of the mischaracterization is, is deliberate um, yeah. because that's an easy way to just not give it any credibility. Yeah. But um, also I was going to mention, uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, I forget, subhanAllah. Um, what was it? I can't remember for the life of me. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Sorry, continue. Yeah, all good then. Um, so It'll come back to me at some point. Yeah, that's fine. So no, I was just saying that, look, there are, it is for a community, like I think for our community out there, it's a bit of a testing time, like really yeah. testing time for some people more than others. Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt because I remembered what I was going to say. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Which is that on the other side of this whole quote, like I, I find myself questioning the agencies and the organisations that are at the heart of this entire issue and they are governments and pharmaceutical companies. Both of whom are sketchy, to say the least. Like, pharmaceutical companies are arguably some of the most outright evil on the planet. Like, in terms of how they conduct themselves, in terms of the, the degree of their oppression, in terms of their sort of capitalistic outlook that is fatal for so many people, like, just purely fatal, like, their approach results in deaths without question, pharmaceutical companies and industries and everything else. Um, and Western governments who are no strangers to lying to their citizens and will enact measures at their whim to silence opposition. Like when you've got those agencies at the front of everything, it really should have you questioning. But for me, it, it's, it's difficult to draw the line between your healthy scepticism and sort of being overly conspiratorial, so to speak. And I find that difficult. Where do you draw the line? Like, yes, pharmaceutical companies, you wouldn't usually trust. But then at the same time, on occasion, you're forced to, right? Like if you've got a particular ailment or an issue or cancer or whatever, and you need to take particular, you know, medications for it or chemotherapies or whatever, then you've got to do what you've got to do. So are we saying that the vaccine's utterly useless and dangerous and whatever, or is it that it's effective, but, you know, there's another agenda or what is it? Like, what's the actual position on it? Mm. Um, and having pharmaceutical companies and governments be at the forefront of this, 
I think should raise questions. Now, I don't know what the answer to those questions are, um, but I think there should be some degree of healthy scepticism, but it's difficult to draw the boundaries of that. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, Look, I think we have to also be careful because, like, you know, when you say that um, you have voices questioning how effective the vaccines would be, um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's the difference between having a voice and having a credible voice, I suppose, out there, you know, and how do you judge that credibility, I suppose. But um, you can see, you can, I feel like we've got that in, in innate ability to judge something as substantial versus just rhetorical. Do you know what I mean? Like people will come yeah. out and just make, they'll collapse an entire argument into just some mad rhetoric of like Western imperialism. If that's the start and the end of the argument, then I probably wouldn't give that too much yeah, airtime. Yeah. Like I, it's I got to have but... some substantial medical, you know, like uh, fine combing in terms of, you know, this one, two, three, four, five credible authorities have said X, Y, Z. They maintain that position from June of last year, irrespective of which strain and then which new version of which vaccine has come out, you know, like for example, and 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 because of that, because of that, I, I feel like my my position that I'm in at the moment is that I'm sort of I'm I'm pro I'm pro lockdown and just let me finish. I'm pro lockdown even even in the in the way that it's being conducted at the moment. Um, but I'm perhaps haven't done enough research to be pro or anti the vaccine. And the reason I say that is because um, in terms of the lockdown, I feel like like when you go against that as a measure, right, I feel like there are so many other different ways in which people could have protested, like not just the stuff I mentioned earlier, but even yeah. even if there's, for example, and I, I, I've, we've seen some evidence of it, if there's like a difference in the, in the way that um, lockdowns are being metered out is the appropriate phrase. Um, in the western part of Sydney compared to eastern part yeah, of Sydney, yeah. there's that conversation to be had. Um, even then, like, I feel like one of the better recourses would be to literally just document all the times, places, and then whether you want to take a legal recourse to that or whether you want to take just a, a public opinion recourse to that, you'd do a lot better to sort of respond to the lockdown rather than... Um, you know, vindicate those on the other side by actually going out and protesting in ways that are just irrational, you know? Like, I can't see the need, even if it's a strong financial need for people who are suffering from a business point of view, to just go out and just spread the virus in the ways that we know are probably going to result in more clusters in other parts of of the city, of the state. But just to to provide the other side of it, like, as I was saying before, I assume, again, I'm not certain generalising everything else, all the disclaimers, but they don't buy the narrative of it being that contagious. Like, for example, I assume many would not give great credibility to the numbers that come from government. Like, why should we believe that? You know, like, if that's the angle that's coming from, then it's... But Difficult the guy on Instagram it. was confirming it the night before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From government. No, but, like, if someone says, I don't believe that the government's being honest with us, 
with regards to the numbers. But I don't you know think what? Being honest has anyone said that? To... Has anyone said that? Like Many any credible voice? No, no, credible voices, like scientific voices. Look, there are people who have backgrounds in science and backgrounds in immunology who have had issues with the way that it's being dealt. For example, the vaccine should not be given to young people because the Delta variant has ha- it has more of an impact on the symptoms than the previous variants, right? Like that's one voice that's come out from a scientific background, credible, whatever else, qualified, whatever you want to call it. But such voices have not come out questioning the numbers. Do you know what I mean? Like why would you even question 100 numbers? Like why would you question that? Where you've had thousands of people dying in other parts of the world. And, okay, if, if that figure was inflated of 1,000 people, it, let's say it was grossly inflated and it was three or 400 people dying, all we're saying in Australia is that 100 cases per day, not deaths. It's only been 61. So if you want to question something, why the hell would you question the numbers? Like, it that makes no sense. Of saying that it's not as... Uh, it's not as spreading as wildly as is being suggested. So yeah, it's but, not like it's going everywhere and it's getting here, it's getting there, and there's so many cases and it's going ballistic. Like that's the narrative that's I don't, I don't think I don't think they're saying that it's going ballistic like that. I think that given the fact that that new variant is operating in a different way now, which is that it is um, what was it that it's it's transmissibility, like the genetic mutation is leading to more transmissibility now. Um, that's what they're worried about. That it's that the Delta variant has upended the world's vaccination systems as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the, that's like, the narrative. Yeah, I get that that's the narrative, but yeah. I'd assume that a lot of people wouldn't buy that. I, I get it. I get it. But for me personally, because, like, I think that it's, we've got to go beyond, like, just any voice coming out and saying, and we've got to look at – that's why I was pointing to some. Like, I say, okay – for someone like, and I, you know, I don't, I don't believe just because there's an Insta post with a person's face and a quote, I don't believe it. Like I'd have to go in, yeah. look at the, Google the person's name, look at, okay, can we find credible websites, government websites, ironically, um, and <laughs> other places where, you know, we can qualify, we can verify that this person actually, you know, enjoyed this post for this many number of years. But, you know, if you do get that vice president of Pfizer or the chief health officer of Victoria saying yeah. the things they say, I feel like that's got a lot more merit to it than just a Look, I don't know the voices, but that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it's a general voice. Like, I, I just haven't looked into who are the potential voices behind that voice. Yeah, well, I guess that's the very well maybe, but I just haven't looked into it as deeply. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be able to rattle them off. So but basically, you're an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> joking. Look, it's a big conversation. And I'm just joking. Yeah. It's a nice little diversion from the topic, as you made yeah. it. Yeah. Nice yeah. and small. Didn't take to be honest, I, I think time. it's probably the more interesting. Like, I think because we're having these conversations a couple of days post Eid, and, and the conversation of the community has moved on as well. Like, yes, yeah. we felt Eid locked down. And I know you're still wearing the same clothes from the day, from the Eid day. Yeah, well. haven't changed. <laughs> just checking. Really trying um, to keep the vibe. <laughs> you know, and you're like, those kids yeah, that you're you the worst. You, got, you changed out of your ear codes. You know, you're the worst. Why aren't you feeling the vibe anymore? Um, but, you know, like, I feel like the conversation, the community sort of moved a little bit. 
Um, but it is they're very interesting times, man. Like schools and the way that they yeah. they went to lockdown and poor kids doing their HSC exams. Yeah, yeah. You know, their trial exams are potentially suspended or modified significantly, and for kids to have to just adapt like that in yeah, you're like you know I can understand year eight kids watching Dora the Explorer videos or whatever it is you know kids do these days at school. <laughs> I'm probably confusing that with what my kid does. He's in kindergarten, but um. Um, that's what it, it's just a mad haze between kindergarten and year 11 and then <laughs> but yeah like for those kids in those situations and you know for businessmen like small people like small family businesses yeah yeah it's you know, very like tough. your heart really goes out to them i know i was speaking to an accountant he was saying that he's really really busy these days with um a lot of people trying to access the grants that the government has yeah, offered yeah. so i know there's some relief there but i don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's like significant. Yeah, it doesn't cover it. it. Really doesn't cover it. You know, it's just like some relief. Yeah, some relief. But yeah, amongst all the difficulty, like you know, imagine someone who's like, "Yeah, look, my income is gone. I still have to pay rent and buy groceries. Like, yeah, where's that money coming from?" And then yeah, okay, I might get a few hundred here and there every fortnight or whatever it might be, you know, through whichever government programs, but that's not alleviating the issue 100 um and so look i can definitely sympathize with that it's it's very very tough for very many people yeah and i i i just i think one one note to perhaps uh end it on or bring it towards an end is um i i noticed something really really beautiful on um and i want to share it on um the instagram page of one of the members of our community someone who we've actually had on this podcast previously um sister dahlia ayub <clears throat> she describes herself as an inner peace seeker which is a really <laughs> nice little title um i i want to share i don't think i can share the video itself without logging in to the podcast or to the um to my instagram account um but it's basically if you go onto her Instagram, um, you can catch this really nice short video where she talks about um, given the difficult times that we are experiencing with coronavirus and with a lot of people, you know, struggling in the way that they're struggling, five things that we can do on a daily basis to try and keep ourselves um, like on top of it, keep ourselves connected to Allah. Yeah, yeah. So she goes through these things saying a daily wird with our Quran, um, a daily azkar, you know, and it's like with a presence of mind, not just like rattling yeah. off, you know, after the morning azkar and the evening azkar, um, prayer, but praying on time specifically. Um, and then she mentioned two others, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, what was it? Prayer, azkar, Quran, um, dua, just making regular dua to Allah yeah. Taala, and she was actually saying like for those things that you think that you probably wouldn't make dua for normally, but she's saying like I'm feeling really upset today, just turning to Allah and telling Him that and mm-hmm. making dua about it, you know. And Subhanallah, you know, the justification she was giving for that was really, really like it's legit. You know, she was saying that you have a lot of people, you know, my mother's a classic example who's really, really fond of. Um, company like her children yeah. coming over sitting around talking and you have people elderly people especially 
who find they might have some exception because of you know certain, uh, compassionate grounds and they could get a visitor once a week or twice a week but it's not the same you know having your family yeah. around you it's nice it's the affected way. people on a daily basis like everyday people and then you know kids doing the hsc and small business owners and everyone and it's just it's 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 a right time you know to really remind ourselves that we need to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah. and just keep him in our keep him keep ourselves you know, connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these measures. I thought yeah. I'll, I'll put in a link on our page, inshallah, if anyone's uh, interested, they can they can watch that video. Yeah. It's a short video, but a really, really good one, I thought. And just um, sort of mirroring that as well, um, on the day of Eid, um, I was just, uh, one brother mentioned something, He uh, a neighbour of mine. So we were in touch via WhatsApp and things, just with some neighbours. Um, and one thing that, one of my neighbors mentioned, which I thought was beautiful. He goes, look, in this time, all we've really got are our families and our deen. That's all we've got. And if we take care of these things, then inshallah, through that, we can earn the blessing of Allah. Because what else do we have right now? Like we've just got our families who are with us in the same household, not even your extended family, just your family in that house and your deen. That's all you've got. So use this time to try and be the best you can with them. Yeah. Be the best you can with your family. It's true. And be the best you can with your din. It's like it's like those things that you realize afterwards mm. that oh damn, I actually had so much unrestricted, unfiltered, raw time with my kids. I probably yeah, should yeah. have spent it differently, you know. So yeah. maybe, you know, we can Perhaps uh, there's blessings in disguise there. Yeah, maybe we can um not have that regret in hindsight and really spend some quality time with family and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Inshallah. So yeah, okay. we can leave good it chat. at that. Good chat. Good chat. Nice convo. Like a genuinely good chat as opposed to the other good chat. <laughs> um, it's always a good chat when it's with you, bro. That's true. Very true. I can I can completely agree with that. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to reciprocate the clarity. Billings mutual. Billings mutual. <laughs> and I'll, I'll ask you to stay on even after we go off live because it's fun to chat to you about a few things. But um, we'll end it there. Thanks for letting our audience know of that. No worries. Jazakallah khairan, everyone. <laughs> Uh, for for watching and we hope you enjoyed tonight's reflections um inshallah we will catch you guys um in a couple of weeks from now assalamu alaikum